everybody, welcome to Save Your Sorry. The podcast where we talk about the rise and fall of a celebrity. And of course, do some trash talking along the way. I'm the first girl to scream on a track, Jose. And uh, I'm out here double-cheeked up, Katrina, Rochelle. And today, before we get into our episode, we do have a hot topic we want to discuss. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's been some sad, uh, disappointing, exciting, interesting news all around for the last few weeks. For some reason, I thought this would be a good time to talk about the mini drama that's going on between Britney Spears and her ex-husband, Kevin Federline. Now, um, before I get into it, are you familiar at all? Have you been reading the newses? I am seeing a little here, a little there. I you know, it's hard to avoid. It's everywhere. But I have not really looked into it. Okay, so we're not going to delve in too deep. I'm going to tell you what I saw, and we'll discuss how you feel, how I feel, and then we'll just move on. So basically, uh, earlier in the week, maybe what's a, six, seven days ago, there was a trailer released uh, of an interview that Kevin Federline had done in the UK, I'm guessing, on ITV, because I think that's a, that's a UK channel. Okay. And um, the interview apparently wasn't even just between Kevin Federline. Apparently, it was Kevin Federline, his current wife, Victoria Prince, and the two children he has with Britney Spears, which are Dayton James and Sean Preston, who are 15 and 16, respectively. They only showed, uh, the trailer only showed Kevin speaking. Um, when the backlash all came out, Twitter, social media, and all that, uh, apparently, the person was like, well, um, the things said in the interview are just too, quote unquote, too hurtful. And um, now the interview as a whole, I guess it was like a one hour special. It will now no longer air. And I kind of felt a couple ways about that. I was thinking. Before right, you, you say that, what did he say in the clip that did come out? In the clip that it does come out, uh, that did get released. Kevin Federline is summarized as saying that the relationship between Brittany and their sons is a little troubled right now. And that based off the behavior that Brittany Spears has exhibited on social media and in their lives, apparently consistently, the boys have decided to take a break away from Brittany. I guess stop visiting her, spending time with her, seeing her. And that also included not going to her more recent wedding to her long-term boyfriend sam a big factor in the strained communication between britney and her sons is apparently her revealing um instagram posts that britney has been doing since the end of her conservatorship where it shows where she's not really naked but she where she's basically she's showing um she's showing a lot of skin yeah. And which, that's what Kevin Federline is also saying contributes to the strained relationship. I wonder why he even said it to begin with. Like, what's the point of putting that dirty laundry out there? I, I've, I thought the same thing. Um, and, and to be fair, he did make, he did bring up a point, uh, one good point, which is like, uh, some stuff like that is going to be hard to see slash deal with as a teenage boy growing up with a famous mother. But unfortunately these are just growing pains <laughs> you yeah. can't you can't she's not being a bad mother essentially she's expressing herself in a very unique slightly embarrassing if you are her child way i can understand but what you said is what i also thought when i first saw that on my timeline was 
Kevin Federline, we don't even hear from you until we don't hear from Kevin unless he's like going back to court with Brittany over payments or custody agreement. Why is he now just dropping an interview out of nowhere condemning Brittany and her relationship with her sons instead of being quiet and them trying to repair this as a family? I didn't see the upside in doing this. I don't either. And Kevin is kind of up there with Jamie Lynn Spears to me because mm-hmm. he knew what was going on and he did not speak up. He's also been a profiter of her being in this conservatorship and her being in the position that she was in all those years after she divorced him. The few things I did see on Twitter mainly was people saying he hasn't worked in a number of years. Mm-hmm. And that is how he would support himself. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's I know that he got crazy. a certain amount of child support uh, from Brittany per month. Yeah. Because he had primary custody, essentially. Yeah, I can see getting child support, but if the numbers they're putting out there are real, then if she's supporting like his whole lifestyle and his wife, that is, that's messed up. It could be. I mean, they had a divorce settlement. I don't know how much. Let me, let's see. Let's see if we can find a, um, a, a number, divorce settlement. K-Fed. Uh, I remember when I used to call him that shit. <laughs> I feel like they still do. Um, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. In March 2000, and, oh, by the way, this is from stylecaster.com. And there, uh, what it says that they got, okay, custody agreement. It went from 50 50 to 70 30 in Kevin's, um, what do you want to call it? In Kevin's favor. And reportedly, when they did divorce, he got a $1.3 million settlement and as well as a continuing child support agreement. She also had to pay for his $250,000 lawyer fees. It doesn't say how much currently, but at one point he did receive $20,000 a month in child support for the two children. 2018, he asked to increase his support rate. And initially, Jamie Spears, Britney's father, was against it. So that's what we have in in terms of divorce settlement. Who knows? He could have got more. But that was the agreement when they divorced. But, yeah, I still didn't see a point in their interview. Um, I, I wonder why he involved the, the underage children in this interview. I also wondered why the journalists uh, decided that after the trailer came out, that she didn't want to put the rest of it out because it was quote unquote too hurtful. I feel like, was it too hurtful or could now that she saw the backlash that this interview brought, was this maybe a little bit harder to get through from like network executives? They didn't want the trouble Were some things not confirmed to be true. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like people live for the dirt and the messy. So why would you not air it after releasing the trailer? Because I think they did get backlash. Right now, Britney Spears is, you know, she just got freed. Like she's on the upswing. <laughs> I know her popularity yeah, is out the roof, but still, when people are still going to tune in, I feel like maybe stuff was not all the way right about that interview. I don't know. I I think it is kind of they're trying to go back to swing in the other direction again of like shit on Britney Spears. And then, did you see that Kevin Federline released a video from, like, four years ago of Britney Spears 
pretty much just scolding her kids. And I didn't it, understand what the purpose of that was. I thought the same thing. So the interview is essentially the airing on uh, airing on TV is canceled. That's done. Um, people are talking about why would you even do this interview? You you haven't been seen in this many years, and you're you're this and you're that. And in response, he decides to release these old videos, saying that you know no more lies, and um, we want me and my boys and my family want the truth to come out. And these videos are not like Britney saying, "You little shitheads, shut the fuck up and do this." It's like. She was talking about lotion, put lotioning her child's face. Yeah. <laughs> talking it, it, about respecting her and her house, which is, boy, first of all. Linda, in my house. If they caught my mama on tape, <laughs> we would have been out the house five days old from the hospital. Because, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a mama thing to like scold your children, talk shit to your children when they're being assholes, when they're not respecting you. And that Britney video I saw and heard, the pieces that I did hear were not scandalous at all. No, it, what I heard it wasn't scandalous at all. It was a mom scolding her kids. And it just seems weird that it's coming out now that the conservatorship has ended. Why didn't he post anything before mm -hmm. when, because he had a restraining order against Britney's father before. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't understand, like, why is this a deal now and it wasn't before? I it, don't it, know. It doesn't make sense to me. I feel like it is a cash grab. That's just my gut feeling. Oh, sorry. Re repeat what you said. I didn't hear you. I was talking. <laughs> that was for you. <laughs> My bad. I feel like right now it's just a cash grab. I feel like Kevin Federline is probably trying to get some money out of something or he's trying to do something. I feel like he's mm. releasing these statements and videos to tarnish her image. I'm not going to say Britney's all, you know, 100% there mentally. None of us are. But I, it's just, it doesn't seem right. I mean, you could be right. He could have reconciled with Jamie. First of all, we know Jamie ain't all about the right. He ain't about the law. He ain't he ain't really all morally and ethically there. So they could have reconciled and had a little side deal going on, you know, shut your mouth or do this or do that. And, you know, I'm floating you this much more money per month because Jamie was in charge of her money. And then this conservatorship ends Britney is starting to get a hold of her assets. He's cut out. You know, all the rest of the family are cut out. And now they're all speaking out. She's getting married to a man who I'm guessing is not under her family's control like all those other bozos. And she already had one ex try to fuck up her wedding. So why wouldn't the other ex come for, for some more? I forgot about the other ex at the wedding. Yeah, it's like, damn, is it pile on Britney time? And it's coming all after she's getting free. So, yes, it does look very sideways. And, uh, of course, they didn't mention it. But, yes, everybody knows that Kevin got paid for the interview. We don't know how much, but we know he was probably paid for that interview. Yeah, and teenagers have fights with their parents all the time. I remember growing up and either mm -hmm. being a little shit or thought I knew everything that I wasn't talking to my mom or my dad at a certain time. And oh, mm -hmm. I just don't think it's right for the parent, the dad, Kevin Fedline, to go and say on national TV that, you know, air that dirty laundry. I think that's something that should be 
in-house. If there's a problem between the kids, why not why not try to solve that between them as a family? Yes, especially seeing as if this is the evidence and no offense, black male material that you had, they they could have shot for something higher or better, or that tells me there literally was nothing bad that they could pull against Britney. Because first of all, why are the children even recording this exchange four years ago? Why was this even a thing? Why is this video even evidence? I don't understand, number one. Number two, like you said, um, teenage children and parents have those, that, that, those phases of bumping heads. Me and my mother are very close. I love my mother to death. I mean, of course, most people would say that. But there was a small period of years in my adolescence where I was just not clicked with my mother. You know, we weren't locked in like that. And then it took towards the last couple years of high school and going into college where me and my mother really bonded and sealed like the relationship we have like in concrete. Like we talk all the time. We argue a lot. We make up, though, very fast because we're so close and we understand that it's just emotions and heat of the moment. So to take these moments four years ago and then um, put them on this like like essentially this huge screen for America for the whole world to see and then not even stand by it because you delete it literally just makes no sense to me and it does seem like a stunt yeah it really doesn't make a lick of sense to me so yeah that's basically what's been happening in Brittany and Kevin's life Brittany and her lawyer uh basically came back out and said Brittany's lawyer was like this is basically cyberbullying and I'll, I'll read what he said might as well Brittany's lawyer goes boy <laughs> not goes by what is his actual name Mr. Rosengart he says whether he realizes it or not Mr. Federline has not only violated the privacy and dignity of the mother of his children he has undermined his own children whose privacy he should protect which is true like I don't a 15 and a 16 year old being mad at their mom doesn't mean, hey, post all our problems on social media. But anyway, let me go back to the, the quote. Um, Mr. Federline's ill-advised decision to post an old video of his 11 and 12 year old children was cruel, bottom of the barrel stuff. It's been my honor to work with Brittany to suspend her father as conservator, to help her gain her freedom and dignity, and to help protect her from the type of bullying she endured in the past. And we will not tolerate bullying in any area. Yeah, I, that, I feel like that's what it is. I don't think he has like a genuine concern of this of the sons visiting their mother. I think it's more of either money or trying to control a narrative of something. I don't know. Yeah, because even in the interview, he was like, well, you know, I tell the boys that maybe her Instagram posts are a way of her expressing herself and doing this and that. But it's like... If you really felt that way and you really explained it to your boys as such, you wouldn't have went public. You would have kept this in-house and you would have understood that have a strong family means to um, have open communication within the family and not the world. And Brittany's kind of like rediscovering the social media right now. She wasn't really able to post what she wanted to post. So maybe mm -hmm. she is going to go a little wild for a little bit and that's okay. She can find that freedom and say, I like this, I don't like this, and it's okay for her to do that. And would we be making such a big deal about this if she was on a magazine cover instead of her posting it by herself? No, 
We would not. Maybe not, you know. Like I, I mean, everybody's allowed to find their footing. And, you know, I give extra grace to Brittany because of her situation. You know. So. I do too. And I think everybody else should too. That's where that wraps up. Um, that's our hot topic for this episode. Let's go back to regularly uh, scheduled programming. So, Jose, you have a celebrity or a topic we're talking about? I have a celebrity. Today we're talking about actor Michael Jace. Michael you know Jace? My- yep, Michael Jace. Spell it. Last name. J as in Jose. A as in Angel. Uh-huh. C as in C. <laughs> and E <laughs> As in the last letter of Jose. That that was good. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Jace. Let's hear all about him. Okay. Michael Jace is best known for his role as Julian Lowe in the TV show The Shield. The Shield ran for six years and it was a pretty popular show when it ran from 2002 to 2008. Did you watch it? I've heard about that drama, that one of those hard-hitting dramas, but no, mm-hmm. I have never seen The Shield. I yeah, probably like, know people from it, though. It's like a police show. I never watched it, but it was on FX, and I remember the commercials coming on for it all the time. Like, every time a commercial came on, it was The Shield. The Shield. Okay. <laughs> so, Michael Andrew Jace was born July 13, 1962, making him a cancer. According to TVGuide.com, Michael grew up in Hackensack, New Jersey, and played baseball and basketball in high school. Which checks out. He is six foot three inches tall, and tall people tend to play basketball. Oh, this is a black man. He is a black man. Should I had, I have, I'm sorry, I had to look have, him up. Should I say that in my when I introduced him? What was you gonna say, Jose? What was you gonna call him? <laughs> what? What do you mean? Like what? I mean, you don't have to, but what do you mean? <laughs> Should I say, like, Michael J says a black man? No, that's fucking racist. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. It, I mean, it doesn't matter. I just didn't know this man, so I wanted to see what he looked like. And okay. I was like, oh, okay. What's up? He got into acting because he saw his college girlfriend rehearsing for a play and thought it looked easy. I'm kind of like that. I always think everything looks easy, and I'm not good at anything, so I don't know why I think that. Mm. Well, you know, it's so funny because sometimes I do be feeling like acting could be easy. But you know what I always think about when I think about acting? I wish I could remember what actor said it. But he was like, you know what? First and foremost, you have to remember acting is embarrassing. And it Mm -hmm. is. Do you see the stuff they got to do? Bro, not me pretending that I'm really driving a car, but I'm (laughs) I'm stationary. Just like Viola Davis having snot everywhere, like she's selling oh the role, gosh. but you know, it, I just don't know if I could cry on cue or not even not on cue. Exactly. Yeah, it's hard. But Michael studied with Classic Stage Company in New York, which is an off-Broadway theater. Theater. I said that so weird. Theater. Theater. <laughs> and my, <laughs> this is gonna be a heavy episode, so we do gotta get like the chuckles out now. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Black man, I, why? <laughs> Why'd you do it? Okay. In 1992, Michael Jace got his first role in Law & Order for an episode. I don't know what he was doing before this, maybe just theater work, but at this point, he's around 30 years old, so kind of a late start to acting. Mm-hmm. 
Dun, 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 dun. Also, I never saw like the original Law and Order, but I am a SVU watcher. Oh yes. And I know so many actors have been on there. It's like Law and Order is like a stepping stone for many actors. It's a stepping stone. It's also the double backstone when you need some money. Uh-huh. Um, it's also the um they ain't put me in movies no more. Let me get a show stone. It's a lot of stones. Law and order be helping people out. He had a few appearances in Elliot Law, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., and Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. But each one was just like for one episode, and it doesn't even look like his character was given a name. It just said like male officer. Okay. Forrest Gump came out in 1994, and that was his first film role, and he played a Black Panther. Oh, was he the Black Panther, the only Black Panther that had talking lines? I think so. I'm not too sure. I saw a lot of places say that he was the lead Black Panther, but his official credits look like he's Black Panther number two. So I'm not really sure. That's fine. Sorry for breaking <laughs> up your Black Panther party. <laughs> so another nameless character, but it does seem like this role helped his career. He did small roles here and there. In 1999, he was Michael Jordan in the Michael Jordan and American Hero TV movie. He was in Planet of the Apes in 2001. 2002, his biggest role in The Shield. I saw somewhere that he was supposed to be killed off at the end of the show. Like, at the end of season one. Mm -hmm. But they changed it. The ending, because they were, like, so impressed or, like, liked his character. And he appeared in 88 episodes. And I saw that in an article, and when I first look into someone, I just, like, look at articles, and I don't save them at first or write them down. And I couldn't find it where it said that, so that's unconfirmed, but... If he if he did 88 episodes? No, if he was supposed to be killed off. Oh, okay. I saw it in one article, and then I couldn't find it again. Just say it's unconfirmed. Okay. He was in Gridiron Dane in 2006, and then it just sort of dies down. Once the shield ends. He's appearing in shows here and there for an episode. But he assumed being the lead in a show for six years, it would open doors up for him. And it just didn't seem to happen. His last role was in Southland, where he had a recurring role for four episodes in 2013. So even though he was working a little, in 2011, he filed for bankruptcy. According to CNN, they obtained court records that he filed for Chapter 13 bankruptcy in March 2011. He says that he had 500000 in debts and his annual income is only 80000 And that is what he did in residuals. God damn. So 80000 a and year residuals? is a pretty good. Yeah. In residuals, 80000 bitch. <laughs> Clock me in, bro. Clock me in. That's, yeah, but... That it seemed like he became accustomed to living a lifestyle with That's that shield happens. money. Most and people it, just don't protect themselves. Yeah. Like, when it ended, you know, those roles didn't come in like he thought it would. And he found himself in debt. Yeah. Sounds like he spent, he spent more than he saved. So when the jobs didn't come back like they used to, he was just hemorrhaging money. Because half a million in debt... It's crazy when you have 80000 and just residuals and you can get some more work on top of it. Like, 
you you for you were living out of your means for a while to build up that. He also defaulted on a $411,000 mortgage on his home. And I don't know why he just couldn't get a, like a regular job to help with the income. This Ego might be pride. Yeah. I I don't know if there's like a stigma once you become famous, it's embarrassing to work a regular job. That one actor from the Cosby I show who plays Alvin. <laughs> yeah, he was like where at Trader Joe's? He yes, uh yes, Trader Joe's, I think it was. Yeah, and at first people were trying to clown him for like trying That's to That's why work. the picture got taken. Yeah. So I don't I I don't know if that's what was this situation if he was like expecting a big you know big series or something but he was not working. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm looking at this cast right uh-huh. the shield. Now granted some of these people aren't huge names but a good amount of these people who at least even appeared on the shield are consistent names in hollywood a few of these people have gone on to do other stuff afterwards michael chiklis walter groggings kurt sutter cch pounder these other people are up forest whitaker glenn Clo- some of these people were consistently used by either fx or consistently in series um drama series specifically so i think he thought he was going to be able to ride that wave that a lot of his co-stars did. And obviously it just kind of didn't work out for him. Cause yeah, a lot of these people who were on the shield I'm looking at either went on to go into another big show or consistently or in other shows as guest stars or movies. Like, yeah. And a lot of those those names besides like Forrest that you named, they're Mm -hmm. not really household names, but they're still fine. Steady employment and acting. Exactly. Yeah. Though there are your like, they're, they're the like B-actors. your role players that you see almost like every once in a while on on, on every third channel. Like you see those people. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, where did I see him before? Exactly. So the rest of this episode, I got mainly from case texts, which described the day of the crime and the trial, and TMZ, which just reported on him periodically. All right. Trigger warning I... for the rest of this episode: we'll be talking about domestic violence and murder. Oh, okay. That's I, I was about to say I sense a shift. This is a, a big shift. Okay. It's it's a shift. All right. Michael in 2014 had been married to his wife April for a little over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Michael had a son from a previous marriage, and April had a son from a previous marriage. At this time, they also have two kids together, age eight and five. Two more sons. Damn. April was an athletic run- runner when she was younger, ranking number five in the United States. And in 2011, she won a gold medal on the USA Meters relay team. And in 2013, she was the 2013 Southern California USA track and field champion at 100 meters. Which I don't really know what any of that means, but it seems pretty impressive. You know, she she was a great athlete. I'm a dumbass American. I don't know nothing about no (laughs) meters. And we're not runners, yeah. I'm not no runner, not no track star. She was work at this time. She was working at financial aid office at a university. On May 14, 2014, Michael texts his friend from church, Kenneth Brown, that his marriage is an, is a mess. Kenneth has said that previously Michael had asked him to pray for his family because they were having financial problems due to Michael not finding work, and it was affecting his family. 
Okay. May 18, 2014, April's nephew, Christopher, comes over to visit and goes to a movie and ends up staying the night. April's son, I believe it's pronounced Savoy. It's S-A-V-O-Y. I think so, yeah. Yeah, from her previous marriage is also there, and he stays the night. And in the morning, they're awakened to yelling. Michael is yelling, you don't have a godly reason for a divorce. And the yelling continues for five minutes, and then they hear two loud crashes. Okay. Christopher and Savory go and check what is happening, and Savory grabs a bat. They see Michael and April standing near the dining room table. A vase has been smashed, and an ironing board is flipped over. Michael tries to grab the bat from Savory, saying, I would never put my hands on your mom, but Savory's just not giving up the bat. He's, he starts like backing, backing away into the kitchen, and April asks Christopher to grab the bat, and Savory gives him the bat. About 15 minutes later, April leaves with Christopher, Savory, and the two other boys driving the boys to school. I'm not 100% sure where Christopher and Savoy end up going, but they're not there later in the night, so maybe back to the dad's house. I'm not sure. At 9.43 a.m., Michael starts texting April. At 10.45, April texts Michael saying, I don't want you throwing things and breaking things and screaming lies to the boys. I'm afraid to come home. I'm glad you are praying. And Michael texts, I can vacate the premise for the night. Just give me time and I'll leave. Okay. He later texts her saying his biggest mistake was marrying a woman who isn't submitted to God. And he asks her when he should leave and she tells him she'll be home after a baseball game with the boys. April ends up texting their church friend, Kenneth Brown, and she asks him to check on Michael because he's very upset. And Kenneth texts, when trouble comes, be full of joy. Michael texts back, may be too late. April wants out and I'm tired of pleading. Kenneth invites Michael over, but Michael declines the invite. He asks again around 6 p.m. and Michael texts back saying, appreciate it, but shit is going to hell fast and I wouldn't be good company. You say he wouldn't Kenneth be good company? Him, yeah, he says he wouldn't be good company. Okay, okay. Kenneth asked if Michael was staying at the house and Michael said he was leaving later that night. Michael texted another friend, Evan, at 445. And Evan invites him over, and Michael accepts the invite. He's still texting April, saying she threw him under the bus. She's walking out on him and the boys. And something that keeps coming up is Michael is accusing April of having an affair. This has not been confirmed anywhere, so I don't even know if it's true. It doesn't matter if it's true. But it's something that Michael thought was happening. And April's denying it. She asked Michael to go to the baseball game, saying their kids would be sad if he doesn't show up and probably wouldn't. And he, the kid probably wouldn't want to play if Michael wasn't there. And April even offers him, like, you know, you can come to the game, I'll leave, I just don't want you to go because you're upset with me. But Michael doesn't want to go to the game, saying he's on the road already. And at 6.45, she texts him and says, I'm sorry I'm not the perfect Christian woman you thought you married. Michael tells her he's looking for the key his friend Evan hid for him and that he's been drinking. He also texts April later, telling her to remind the kids to give the dog food and water, and that Evan said hello, not that it really matters. That's where he said, not that it really matters. They text back and forth a little more, and April arrives home shortly after 8 p.m., and she has the two boys with her. Okay. Standing in the dining room is Michael. So he's telling her he's at his friend's house, but cell phone towers, you know, that pinged his location. Say when he's he sent, at the house. Yeah, when he sent those texts, it confirms that he never left the house. He was always around the house's location, not Evans. Okay. At 823, Michael texts April's stepfather, Carlos, quote, 
Come get the boys. I shot April. <sighs> Carlos and April's mom get in the car and drive to April and Michael's house, calling the police on the way. And they're pretty far away. They say some highway, and I'm not too sure it's in California. But, you know, they're just telling the police, please get there. We can't, you know, we're on our way, but it's far. Mm-hmm. 831, Michael calls 911, asking for paramedics, saying he shot her once and needs paramedics. The operator tells him to wait outside, and when the police arrive, she is inside, laying in the hallway, dead, having died of three gun wounds. Three? Three, three shot wounds, yeah. Okay. Michael was arrested, and he tells the officer he shot her in the legs because he was in so much pain, and he wanted her to feel pain. Which, if you remember, April's a runner. She's been a runner her whole life. <gasps> so to shoot He's her in the legs. He's a sadistic bitch. I mean, it was yeah. already bad, but yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, God. that's truly yeah. sick. Michael claims when April came home, he was sitting at the dining room table with the gun in his lap. The gun had been owned by April's father. And they send the kids to their room. And then he says that April notices the gun in his lap and she lunges at him with a knife. And he said the knife must have been seen on the table or something. Sure. Yeah. And he says he pushes her off and the gun went off. But then later, you know, he's been investigated by the police. He also says the comment about wanting to, wanting her to hurt like he's hurting. Mm -hmm. And I do want to note, the police on the scene say there was no knife near where he said it would be. So there was no knife at the dining room area. Yeah, he and says, it doesn't make logical sense. Like, somebody has a gun in their lap slash hand. Grabbing the knife in front of them does not incite now, a successful recovery. Now, it, it seems like he was trying to do it to self-defense at first. And then he's like, oh, nope, that's not working. So he, like, changed his story. You know what I think he was probably going to do? What? I think before he even came up with the self-defense thing, just just based off the sounds of it, I feel like he was going to, it seems like he tortured her because she, getting shot in the leg sounds like, it, especially if you already know you're going to probably kill her, it's like you're trying to, it's a slow, painful, torturous death, and I'm going to take something that means something away from you, which is your ability to run, to walk, all that. But it also seems like maybe he was going for a whole um, murder-suicide thing. But um, either was too... Let me choose my words right. Something in him just couldn't make him take himself out. So I think he clobbered together a sloppily self-defense story. Because how would you expect to survive this and be um, exonerated. He does later say that he was going to kill himself. That was his original plan. Okay, well, see. Yeah, so I mean, that makes sense what you're saying. It all makes sense. He says before he never laid a finger on April, and this the next line, he was eventually intended to kill himself, but he says he didn't have the courage, and those are his words. Okay, so I wasn't going to say coward and mean it, but I was going to say... Some people view it as like a cowardice, like they can't, they can't do it for some reason or something like that. Like, I, I don't think people who kill themselves or who think about it are cowards or not. But in this case, sometimes if you're already like you have narcissistic seeds, I guess you would say inside your brain or inside your personality, 
sometimes when it comes time to that trigger or whatever you're going to do to take yourself out, you just, it won't allow you to. Yeah. I feel like you, you can survive it. You can better, you can, you can get yourself out of it. You'll survive. Yeah. And it's just, it's really sick. A few days later, while he's in jail, he calls April's brother, telling him it was an accident. The gun was supposed to be for him. And then he tells him, quote, I wanted her to be in pain, like I was in pain. I wanted her to lose something, which was track. Bitch, he would not even have my number to call. Yeah, I mean, talking they, about? why are you calling your, 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 the, the Vic? It doesn't matter if they're your, your in laws or not. You shouldn't be calling your victim's family, period. Yeah, I, I get like they've been his family for like 10 years, 10 plus years. But, but you at that point, gun yeah, down their daughter slash at that sister. Point, it's just doing more. And it's kind of, he's still trying, he's still trying to make an excuse. Like, he killed her, and he's trying to say, I was just trying to hurt her a little. I mean, that's an excuse. Yes, and three times is not no accident. It, I mean, you know the effects of a gunshot wound. You know the risks. It, 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 it all speaks of manipulation slash um, trying to paint himself as a victim. Who gives a fuck? So during the trial, Michael's 10-year-old son, who was 8 years old at the time of the murder, testifies that he saw Michael pull April into the hallway, and when she fell, he said, if you like running, then run to heaven. Then he shot her in the legs, and then in the back, as the children looked on from their bedroom. The kids saw? Yeah, it, it doesn't- The kids saw, oh, he shot her in her back? That's, I don't know if he shot her in the back, and then the legs, or the legs and the back, but, it's all just yeah, and he his story of him pushing her and then the gun going off like falls apart because he did shoot her in the back. Mm-mm-mm. And yeah, the kid scene is just another horrific thing that is a layer on top of it. Or if at least one son saw it, but I mean the other son's right there, so he at least heard it. Mm-hmm. So at the time of the trial, it wasn't. Like, it wasn't up for debate if he murdered her, because that that was established. He was the one who killed her. Mm-hmm. But his defense was that he wasn't in the right state of mind. It was a crime of passion, and that he didn't mean to murder her. Yeah, so, I figured they would use that excuse, but really fuck that up. With yeah. you trying to shoot her multiple times and yourself on record showing premeditation with you telling her that you're not in the house, nowhere near the house, but you were exactly inside the house, never left the house. And the quote of, if you like to run, then run to heaven. Yeah. Pretty chilling and says what his intention was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the defense is looking for manslaughter. When April and Michael first got together, Michael was still in the process of a custody agreement. And the prosecution ends up using the 2005 testimony from Jennifer Bitterman, his first wife, where Jennifer claimed Michael would spank their son for crying or being afraid, and that when their son was supposed to visit Michael, the son would bed and cry because he did not want to go to Michael's. And Jennifer would have to tell him to be brave, and Michael loves him, and that he would be safe with him. Maria... Della Vegas also testified that Michael choked and hit Jennifer and slammed her against the wall while their infant son screamed in the crib. 
and mm. that was a friend of his first wife. So the defense uses April's testimony against her, I guess to discredit the wife's, uh, first wife's testimony and to paint a better picture of Michael as innocent in this trial. And April, in like 10 years, 12 years before this happened, said Michael provided a stable home for his child. And while there were claims of abuse by his ex-wife, according to TMZ and Daily News, April testified that Jennifer Bitterman, Michael's first wife, was a bad mom, and the child prayed at bedtime to watch over his mom every night. Now, this was in the middle of a nasty custody agreement and years prior of the murder. And I couldn't really see anything where April outright said Jennifer was a bad mom. It just said the child prayed for his mom. Yeah, I was about to say, that, that tidbit is a little alarming that uh, would come out. But saying, siding with your now husband in his custody um, battle is nothing new. I mean, yeah. that, that's what new wives do. Um, I would have hoped she didn't say that outright she was a bad mom if there was no evidence, but you can't, I mean, can't judge her for those actions now. No. And praying for your mom is very ambiguous, especially if you worried about your mom's safety before. That That's true. He could have been praying because Michael was abusive in the past. Yeah. But I yeah, that's ten, like you said, that's so many years ago. Marriage, people evolve, things deteriorate, cracks happen. I mean, things come together, things fall apart. So yeah, holding holding a woman to her words 10 years ago when circumstances have vastly changed from them, from that environment 10 years ago is crazy. It is. I personally think it was premeditated. I think Michael so. Jace denied it was premeditate, premeditated. And when he said that, April's mom left the courtroom. So I think that's another thing, like not fully admitting it. Mm -hmm. It's um, just another knife in the wound. Yeah, especially when all the evidence is pointing to you luring her back to that place, essentially under false pretenses of it being empty. Yeah, because she said in one of the first texts, she's afraid to come home. Yes. And he tried to kind of say self-defense at first with him saying there's a knife and then saying he only shot her once and then saying it's not premeditated. It's just all these of uh, not trying to accept full responsibility. And constant story changes um, despite actual, like, I'm guessing ballistic reports and, and, and all types of reports. Like, you're just discrediting yourself more and more. Yeah, and there's not a lot of wiggle room in this story. Like, we have a very limited Tight time timeline. Yeah, and there's texts, like, all through the day. There's the cell phone tower pinging. There's witnesses of her son and the nephew the night before. So he can't, like, he can't really change his story up that much. Mm -hmm. He ends up getting 40 years to life and is convicted of second-degree murder. It's what he deserves. He, yeah. he deserves, I, I mean, 40 years minimum. It could be 50, but whatever. I think that was first degree murder. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, he got second. Okay. But I think that's what the prosecution was trying to offer was first at first. first at but first is very hard to prove sometimes. Exactly. But yeah, at least he's up in there. He's up in there. But <laughs> no, let me, never mind. Let me not say the next part. But yeah, I mean, at least he got convicted. Because he did that shit for real. In 2019, Michael tries to appeal his conviction of second-degree murder. 
but the California Supreme Court refused to hear the, the case, stating that there was compelling evidence that Michael Jace acted with malice, mm -hmm. which is required for second-degree murder. And that's where we leave off with Michael Jace. If he does serve his 40 years, I believe he's in his 50s now, so he'll be 90 years old. So I don't really know if he will get out of prison. I'm a hope for a no. So he has to complete 40 before he's even looked at by the parole board. So possibly never getting out pretty much is what it looks like. With his age, it's highly unlikely that he would get out. The age, the crime, as well as the details of the crime doesn't really seem that likely. Um, did anybody from the shield or anybody who ever worked with him say anything? Usually there's a, oh my gosh, I never thought, I never knew he was this. They were that. The only one I saw was from her son from the previous marriage. He said something. And the only quote that he said was, I'm still trying to comprehend myself. The whole thing? Comprehend uh -huh. the crime? Hmm. Oh, and this is the one from uh, his first marriage, not the, the shared that, son. It was from April's first marriage. That's what her son said. Oh, Savoy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It says he was still trying to comprehend himself and that his mother was a happy woman. <clears throat> yeah, that's a hard that's this is the, the this is not the the, the best um it's not the I don't know what I was gonna say. This is not the best happiest episode, whatever. I don't even know how No, and this like he gets forty years, which is a good thing. He should be imprisoned. But it's there's no happy ending because April is not coming back and mm -hmm. now really their sons, like, they lost their mother, and now they lost their father as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I started this, I was just looking at people that were in prison, celebrities, and he was one that I haven't heard about, so I was like, okay, let's, let's go for it. Yeah, I've never heard of this man or his crime, at least not that I can remember or recall. No. Now, and, uh, yeah, especially since The Shield is not on my radar that that shows so i definitely didn't know anything about it but yeah this is a very it seems like it would have been kind of a high profile case yeah i never heard of this i guess just some things you know he's not an a he wasn't an a-list actor he was just a b-list if you even want to say that that it gets past sure. it but it's murder it is murder i i i don't know i Feel like all the same articles were kind of repeating themselves. CNN reported a lot, and so did TMZ. But I mean, TMZ reports on every celebrity. Mm -mm -mm. But that's where we leave off for this episode. We do like to end every episode with a positive note, and I do kind of feel like we need it with some form of media we want to recommend, we want to share, we want to discuss. Do you want to go first? Um, I'm going to be talking about a show and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I want them to be able to like skip the rest of the episode if they don't want to hear it. So I'll let you go first. But I'm talking about a show with spoilers too. No, I'm not. I hate, I was really about to say, are you? <laughs> I can't stand your ass. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess I will talk about this movie just because I've been listening to the music a lot. Uh, I'm just... Jesus. My movie is Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the better Lion King, in my opinion. 
Don't make me change my media. Don't, <laughs> don't make me do it. So, Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, is about Zira, Star's wife, Star's widow. And, and then they got dead. <laughs> yeah, he was killed by Simba in the first movie. It was what he deserved. <laughs> I uh, agree to disagree. And, <laughs> and Zira and her her lionesses that supported Star are kicked out of the pride. And before Star died, he found an heir, which is not his son or Zira's son. He just found an, a lion cub that he was going to make his heir. And his name is Tovu. Be so, prepared. <laughs> so Zira, Tovu um, goes to the pride lands and he bumps into Simba's daughter, they become friends, and then Simba's like, what are you doing here? You're an outlander. And Zira's like, don't you talk to my son like that? And then she comes up for a plan for Tovu to get bit and strong and kill Simba. And it's such a good movie. And it's I don't like, like the bitch, ending. that's why I kicked your ass out. <laughs> and if there's one... <laughs> evil, doing evil plans and shit. <laughs> if there's one thing I love, it's loyalty. And Zira was loyal to Star even after death. Yeah, it's a damn shame, ain't it? Nope. <laughs> I rooted for Star, I rooted for Zira. I didn't root for Scar, but I do... I always loved Scar's aesthetic. That's why I hated that he was the bad guy, because... I loved the way Mufasa looked, but Scar, it was just something about that little eye with his little black hair. I was like, oh, hey, luxurious. Oh, <laughs> the songs on Lion King 2 that I really love are My Lullaby, which Zira sings, which is a song where she's, you know, putting Kovu to sleep, and it's mm -hmm. just about him killing Simba. <laughs> <laughs> but that's her lullaby. And then the other one I love is Kovu ends up getting kicked out of the Pride Lands and he's exiled. And they have a song about that. It's called Not One of Us. Mm. And if Not we had one a... of us. Not some of <laughs> no, us. No, you have to listen to it. If we had a song, a Disney song for this podcast, it would be that song. Really? Yeah, I wish we could exile celebrities. <laughs> I wish, honestly, <laughs> I was laughing for a second, but no, nah, we fucking should be able to. Some I, of these motherfuckers got to go. That's all really doesn't happen anymore. Like, Bill Cosby, you gotta go. Oh, uh, uh, so many. Lil Boosie, you gotta go. <laughs> but no I, I oh, don't no. shoot. <laughs> I just. Fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> I the whole laughter drawn up for us. <laughs> Gotta go. No, Monique. She, bruh, talk about a move. I, I, you know what? I don't even give a fuck if she got money or not. She said, I'm going to sue Netflix, settle, and be on Netflix. Go ahead and do that <laughs> shit. Do it. Everybody else does it. I'm glad Monique got to do it. She could be as funny or as unfunny as she wants to be in this special, and I'm going to still fucking watch it. Mm. But anyway, that was besides me, because you brought up Monique. What a shame. Is that all for you, Mr. Simba's Pride? Lion King 2. Well, I'm not going to change my media, but I am going to say because, you know, childhood in DVD stores 
all over America, me and my family, specifically, you know, my sisters and my brother have a spiritual connection with Lion King one and a half. Don't, don't, don't tell me you never saw it because you probably didn't. But if you did see it, it's still great. I mean, it's basically Lion King one behind the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because it's all about Timon and Pumbaa. But man, that's my shit. Dig a tunnel. Me and my sister still say that to this day. But anyway, that's the. Do you like that one more than Lion King? Um, you know what it is. I really do love Lion King, but I really watch Lion King for the songs. Whereas I'll watch Lion King one and a half, like the whole movie, over and over. Like it has more replay value to me than the first Lion King. That's so funny. Just, that's how I am with Lion King too. Yeah, ain't that crazy? We don't like the originals as much. Which <laughs> <laughs> hardly ever happens. Oh my gosh. Oh, so a uh, question for you before I actually get into my real, real media. We had talked question? about Be- Beyonce. <laughs> question? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's literally her. Uh-huh, me and Beyonce just sound sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Destiny's Child. Get okay. it? You said in sync. Uh huh. I did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't let me have it. <laughs> anyway, we had talked about Renaissance, and I hadn't listened to all of it at that time. Have you listened more? Do you have a new favorite? Because I don't remember what favorite I said before, but I think I have a new one. I have listened to the album like all the way through a couple times. Mm-hmm. A few times. A few. No less than three for you. Yeah, but. The one that sticks out for me and that when I first when I first did the first album playthrough that I like started over like three or four times Mm -hmm. was Plastic Off the Sofa. And that's still my favorite one. Okay, Yeah, I don't know if I like Plastic Off the Sofa. I think that's I think I agreed and said that was my favorite one. And I didn't mean that. (laughs) I think I got confused with Alien Superstar, which was my favorite at first. But my two new favorites are actually cozy no it's oh, that's um, my new favorite <laughs> it's cuff it with a minute with it's basically cuff it and energy together because from cuff it to the transition to energy is great so i consider them one song because i'll listen to both at the same time if i listen to one so cuff it and energy i count as one and then move by itself is the shit to me energy before or after Khalees was um, after because I uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to the Khalees in the the milkshake whatever whatever I, I uh, it was funny because me and Trisha were talking about like Beyonce and if we would listen or the Khalees thing and I was like well if we wait a little bit if you type in energy Khalees mix like soon there'll be a YouTube video with the original sound if you want to hear what it looked what it sounded like before. And I stand by that because soon I'm going to look it up and and I probably won't even care either way. I mean, it's such a small thing. It's like a two-second difference. um, What did you think about it before and after? If I did not know what I was listening for, Mm -hmm. I would not even notice it. Interesting. See, Uh all that that hoopla for nothing. Okay. Whose side are you on? Uh, I'm more on... Beyonce's side, but I do feel bad and kind of understand where Khalees is coming from, but I just don't, uh, I, I don't appreciate slash 
can side with Khalees with how personal she's making this towards Beyonce. Because this that's, is not a Beyonce problem. That's how I feel. I feel like Khalees is just... I, you know, she's an artist and she's sensitive about her shit. Mm-hmm. But she she feels like that is her song. Milkshake's her song. She says she wrote it. You know, there's arguments there or whatever. Yeah. But it's just to the point for her is I feel like Beyonce was coming in more of a, hey, I'm showing you respect because I put your name on writing credits when I didn't need to and that type of thing. But Khaleesa's at the point where she's like, it's mine. I don't want people touching it without asking me because she's she feels like she's already been screwed over with it. I don't really, I think she doesn't want, okay, so I think it's also like, a, okay, so she's been battling with the Neptune, specifically, I guess, Pharrell, with regards and how her royalties, her masters, whatever the case may be. So I think it's a fight with them and them being able to sell and use her music so easily, mm-hmm. as well as it's personal against Beyonce, only because when this happened it's it went from you know them using my stuff them profiting off my name to she's a demon um you know she has satan on her side like i get it you don't like the beehive beehive barbs navy barty they they're they're asshole fan bases but that's why they they go hard for their people so i get it but she was talking about beyonce in particular like being a bad person for putting this less than 30 second um, loop of her song on her album. I, I just didn't see it as um, as respectable as it could have been if she would have left the childish insults out. Yeah, and I feel like she leaned into that just to get a reaction. I agree. I agree. Which and is, like- I mean, it worked for her, but it. I just didn't think it was as respectable as Khalees. I mean, Khalees is a, a respectable artist who's been around, who's, you know, switched up her sound, who deserves to be honored as well as respected. But you also have to give that back to veterans. Because she's the, the game. boss. Mm-hmm. She's bossy. She's you the one like we love to hate. <laughs> <laughs> and like Beyonce said, I just think we're taking this a little too far. Ooh. Yes, we are. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically how I feel about it. So, but hot topic number two. Yeah, that was a mini hot top. <laughs> <laughs> now for my real, real media. So, about two years ago, well, almost three, because it was at the height of quarantine. Um, I got me and my sister Trisha, who most people um, know on the podcast. I have already talked about. We, yeah, I know her. Yeah, I know, and I know you know her. We uh, <laughs> hang out a lot, um, and we watch a lot of things. And so a couple years ago, we decided we were both going to watch and get into Breaking Bad. Um, I forgot what the reason was, but we just decided to, because everybody had talked about how it was such a great show, and this and this. And I've watched uh, some good, great shows. So I was like, well, what's another one? And we went real hard at it. We was watching it. We loved it. It was great. And for some reason or another, we like slowed down. She got a little bit further than me. And um, I stopped literally at the last season, season five. Like I didn't start it. And Trisha was like, yeah, I started it. It's getting good. And then I don't know if she finished ever or she stopped for sure. But I, I definitely stopped. Cut to this week. For some reason or another, I was just like, I got to finish 
Breaking Bad. So Monday, I just started watching the episodes at work. And boy, season five of Breaking Bad, like season one through four makes it a great show. But season five is what, for me, solidifies it as probably like top 10, top five greatest shows ever. Like the performances, the episodes, the suspense as like, you think like one big thing happens and you think, oh, that's that's the high point. But then the tension will de-escalate and then it'll rise back again. It'll be another situation and another one. And the way it ends, it actually is so satisfying to me because, boy, sometimes when it comes to these main characters who evolve throughout the show, when it comes to the last season and the last episode, you have, I feel like writers sometimes try to do the thing where they don't want to give the audience what they want. So mm-hmm. they write like this really ultra complicated finale that is really cerebral. And then sometimes you have writers who are kind of just in decline. So it's an unsatisfying season series finale. But Breaking Bad, it was literally perfect to me. I felt like there were a couple different ways it could have went. Like they could have changed some details and it still would have worked or it would have went a different way. But I think it ended perfectly for each character, the way that their decisions had amounted to everything. And I was just so fucking happy that at least in the last episode, Walter was like, bitch. Well, he didn't say bitch, but he was like, yeah, I did it for me because he just kept saying family, family, family. But it was just so great. It was just so great. It was a great show. I don't want to spoil it because I said I said spoilers, but I lied. I'm not going to spoil it in case anybody <laughs> ever wants to watch it. But it's 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 a great show. Um, seasons one through four are great, but seasons season five is honestly I don't think if I w- didn't have to do other things, I probably would have watched the season in two days instead of like the five six that it took. And then they have a companion film. El Camino, and I'm about to watch that this weekend. Oh, wow. So, and also, the thing that just astounded me so much was like Brian Cranston, who plays Walter White from Malcolm in the Middle fame. That's what I was going to say. Like, literally, from like, wow, like 12, 13 years old, I grew up with Brian Cranston as Hal in Malcolm mm-hmm. in the Middle. Me and my family used to love Malcolm in the Middle. Um, it, it was our shows, our shit. We watched it every night on Fox, like five, six, like the five to to eight o'clock block at Fox. Me and my family was tuned in every night because you had Malcolm in the Middle, Yes, Dear, Simpson, Seinfeld. Throughout the years, it changed, but you had all those things. Bob's Burgers later, and so we would always watch Fox. So it was crazy watching this like funny dad who was so agreeable slash a doormat sometimes, turn into this goddamn teacher meth head kingpin. So I loved it. Loved every second, every minute of it. I definitely see myself taking a few months slash a year break and then rewatching it again. I remember I tried to start it, and then he gets out of the RV in his underwear, and I was like, there's too much going on already. <laughs> oh my gosh. The underwear <laughs> thing is kind of funny. It's like a thing for the, like at least the first season. 
Well, I only got like the first minute, so I one day you, I'll try. One day, because it's just like that. They, like you see something, and it's like for some reason or another, it turns you off, so you just leave it. But then you feel like if you would have stuck stuck in there for like five more minutes, you would have been hooked. I, I probably it, it, there was just so much going on that I was like, okay. Same thing with like Hamilton. I tried to watch that, and they started off with these this song, and they're all singing. I'm like. I got I got ease in. I just need to dip my toe, baby. That's it. Yeah, I think the Hamilton hype has passed for me. I thought about checking it out once upon a time, and then they made it available on Disney Plus. And now I think I'm just okay. Okay, maybe one day. <laughs> I mean, I saw Encanto. I'm cool. That's my the show. grandma, abuela, Alma. She's my mm. favorite character. <laughs> She really is. Of course she is. Of course she is. Of course the person who's like, your your gift will be as special as you right in front of the granddaughter who didn't get shit. Sometimes I'm like, sometimes at work they say, Bruno left because of you. We're losing magic because of you. It's like the best thing. I, I love it. Then I got to be Mirabelle. The magic is dying because of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah. But we do have to end this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. We've been talking. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a roller coaster. We started up high. We got a little low. Mm. We ended high. Yep. And now we're just low. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you want to reach out to us, our Instagram is Savior Sorry, spelled just like the podcast. Our Twitter is Savior Sorry, not spelled like the podcast. Mm-hmm. And your is you are. And our email, Savior Sorry at gmail.com, spelled like the podcast. Please give us your media suggestions. Please give us a celebrity. There's, I always, some days I'm like, some weeks I say, there's no more celebrities. We ran out of scandals. And this week I was like, there's too many celebrities. I don't know who to pick. Mm-hmm. So just just tell me who to pick, guys. Just tell me. So I, I don't have to. That's the hardest thing to society. Yeah. We got so many people. He just can't pick. I can't. I just I sit there looking at a screen. And I'm like, waiting. God damn. Honestly, I wait for inspiration <laughs> from something in life. And it never comes. It never comes one day. Um, For our X-rated content, OnlyFans.com slash Save Your Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're wondering, is Jose a squirter? We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to give a huge shout out for we have been doing more reviews lately on apple so thank you so much for the people who did do that sent me it truly means a lot oh yes i'm gonna look them up today well tomorrow technically okay (laughs) okay thank you guys for listening if you made it this far please just please think about giving us a review also bless you bless (laughs) Bless your heart (laughs) bless your heart okay thank you so much bye see you Ooh, can I have a piece of candy? It's an incense. Oh. (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) not you have an incense and I don't. What you got? (laughs)
Badu playing in the background too? <laughs> I always like incense when we're recording. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was Badu. Okay. Was it baby? <laughs> 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 